You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They're not teaching uh, Sunday school class in terms of morality. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. There's a high shot deep to right. That ball's got great carry and is gone. Grand slam for Logan Morrison. The Rays will take a 6 to nothing lead. We know that we're ready to make the next step. And, uh, you know, I know that Derek and Thad have their plan on, on when, you know, when they took the job, when they thought that we'd be ready. And, you know, maybe we're a little bit ahead of schedule. And I think, you know, last year showed we might have been a little bit ahead of where they thought we were. And, um, you know, we got a lot of confidence in here. And any time that you add pieces like that and, and uh, you're looking for, for upgrades and, you know, you're creating more competition because, you know, he goes to DH, well, who doesn't hit, you know? So we got a lot of guys in the locker room who, are really good players, and it's only making us a deeper team and a better team. 38 bombs for the Twins' newest acquisition last year in 149 games, 601 plate appearances with the Tampa Bay Rays. So he, Logan Morrison came on pretty strong in 2011, both on the field for the Marlins. He hit in like three quarters of a season. He hit 23 homers, uh, a bunch of doubles, and then was just spewing takes on Twitter in the early days of Twitter. And built up a hundred thousand followers before athletes were. It was him. Ocho Chad Ochocinco was active early on. Yeah, two thousand nine for for uh, Ochocinco. Yeah, I remember that. Yep. And uh, and so Logan Morrison kind of fizzled with the Marlins. Went back down to the minor leagues. Got into a fight with the organization. Then went to the Mar- uh, Mariners for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Was mostly a platoon guy. Thirty years old last year with Tampa, and finally breaks out. And the question is, and the Twins, you know, they don't have to pay for. The guy's prime. They don't have to pay $20 million. They're paying like $6 million this year, five and a half, whatever it is. And then if they bring him back for 2019, it'll be for, you found it, $8.5 million? Eight. So really, this is a discounted power hitter. And if you do a little bit of a deep dive here on Logan Morrison, this is Rep Bollinger, MLB.com. Logan Morrison benefited by changing his swing mechanics to get the ball in the air more, increasing his launch angle from 12 degrees to 17 degrees. We all do that. 16 to 17. Everyone does that now. Uh, That's not a household stat. I wouldn't expect anyone to know what that means. Basically, he's hitting more towering fly balls and hitting more frequent fly balls than before. And as a result, they kept him on the field more often because he was more successful. He went from 14 home runs to 38 here. I don't think it's a fluke. I think even though it's an, it's an odd age to break out, you're seeing more and more in baseball. Guys like Justin Smoke, who broke out last year at age 30. Aaron Hicks broke out at age 29. Edwin Encarnacion took his game to another level. Jose Batista. In fact, the Blue Jays have been kind of a factory for. Take a guy, change his swing mechanics, and then uh, watch him take off. Josh Donaldson was really good before he got to Toronto, but even better when he when he uh, you know worked with that system. Here's the the doctor of analytics. Ready to unveil a couple stats for you. You ready for this, Judd? All right, go geek on me. For Logan Morrison last year, with these swing changes and the mechanics and more launch angle and things like that, it resulted in nearly one in every four fly balls going over the fence. So he he took the Including fly. Ball- a few here, by the way. Yes. So he took the home. He took the fly balls he was hitting and made them more aggressive. 
and and had a different angle off the bat with those fly balls. And then this is the, this is the other thing. This is basically a math game for hitters at this point. He increased the fly balls that he hit from 2016 to 17 by 80. So just start to do the math. He hit 80 more fly balls last year, and one in every four went over the fence. Which, by the way, does, that's a lot of extra home runs. Does that not go against every everything that little Judd was taught? In yes. Little League back in the day? Yes. Wasn't I always told... Chop down, chop hit wood. Hit the ball in the ground. You want to hit Dave, the ball? Are you, are you teaching right? your kids to chop wood still? You're a ninth grade baseball coach. It's strange, because in the last few years, I think like everybody else, it's kind of, you know, the uppercut swing, but I'm also dealing with ninth graders, a lot of whom are playing on a big field for the first time and are very under, <laughs> undersized. So you teach them to hit up, they're just going to pop the ball up to second base every Correct. time. So you didn't feel fly roll batters out. With yes. me, it's just about make solid contact, kid, and we'll figure out the power later once you actually... Yeah. You know some size, and like in ninth grade, if you can just put the ball in play, the second baseman's going to throw and throw a ball into the dugout, and you're going to just hit the ball. Oh hell right? yeah! So I don't know if you guys saw this over the weekend, but Joey Votto, they were doing MLB Network is doing their, you know, they're just going around to different camps, and Joey Votto, who's one of the great hitters of this generation, probably underrated because he plays on crappy Reds teams, mm-hmm. and they sat down for like eight minutes and talked to him about the mechanics of hitting and. You know, what do you make of a launch angle and the obsession with hitting more towering fly balls and some of these guys like Logan Morrison having these revelations? And he said, all right, yes, launch angle is something that has become much more important now that we can sort of track it like you would a golf swing. But to Dave's point, Joey Votto said, the, the thing that people forget is these great hitters who are taking advantage of launch angle, the Josh Donaldsons and, right. you know, and the guys like myself, we can do everything. If I need to hit a ground ball to the opposite I can, yes. field, I can do that. If I need to hit in batting practice or a game, if I know what pitch is coming and it's a fastball and I need to hit a fly ball to right field, I can do that. So, like, being able to sort of just have a wide range Dave's of skills. players can't necessarily no. achieve those same feats. So can you hit the We're ball first? Bombs. <laughs> that launch angle was all wrong, Jimmy. Right. So, like, if you're able to do everything yeah. and you can choose what you want to do, launch angle, have at it. These are professional hitters. But if we've got little Billy, it's like the Steph Curry effect in basketball. You get all these little idiot eighth graders running around jacking threes from five feet behind the line and turning around as the hey, ball's they, in the air. It's it like, work. dude, you're in eighth grade. Just get, shoot a layup. They see it work, right? I mean, if, <laughs> yeah, if it works for the for greatest Steph, shooter in the history of why basketball. Why can't it work for them? Yeah. Launch the ball from midcourt. But I don't think it's a fluke. I think it's sustainable. And I think Logan Morrison, who, who absolutely destroyed right-handed pitching last year, is going to be maybe the Twins' best power hitter right next to Miguel Sano. Who might be suspended for I was some? Say he might, be their, best. He might be their best for a while. Yes. This also, but by the way, this also is instructive of why if people spent uh, the past few months saying, "What are the twins doing?" This is just the same old twins. If you follow the this whole thing, because I think the baseball fan thinks splash signings, right? Oh, you're going to sign somebody on December 15th and they're going to cost, they're going to be six years and $80 million and it's going to be great. But if you if you were frustrated by the Twins, go back now and look at what Falvey and, and Levine have done and look at the moves that they've made. And it's been slow. I get that. All of that being said, though, if you were on the, on the this is, you know, typical Twins, Terry Ryan, no, it's completely different. And if you now go back and follow what the Twins have done uh, since the Yankee playoff loss to now, you can see where where this franchise is trending 
And and if you can get by your biases, it's incredibly positive. Yeah, and also, you know, think about how some of these, just the players they've added this offseason, let's just take Addison Reed and Logan Morrison. If you get back into a coin flip game, and let's face it, unless three of Cleveland's star players wind up with season-ending injuries, Cleveland's going to win 100 games and they're going to win the division. Uh, so you're playing for a wild-card spot. So if in that one game you have to go back to a Yankee stadium, you're going to need something more than a warning track fly ball and something more than just hoping for a double play because you can't get a strikeout. Well, Addison Reed gets you extra strikeouts in the eighth. Fernando Rodney gets you. That guy still throws 95 miles an hour. Gets you extra strikeouts. Uh, Zach Duke has had, in his reliever career, a strikeout per inning. So you can, you're can you not the Yankees' bullpen, but do you have a better chance of getting a swing and a miss from a Giancarlo Stanton or an Aaron Judge now compared to a year ago? You do. Yes. Um on the hitter front, do you have a better chance of, hey, two guys are on, and you need a three-run bomb right now to break this thing open to to really put yourself in a good spot in a one-game situation? Mm-hmm. Logan Morrison gives you a chance to hit that three-run bomb, just like Miguel Sano would have if he were playing in that game and healthy as well last year. And you've taken a guy like Grossman, who can still be important and help you, but you've taken him from probably being incredibly important now and saying, okay, you're still you're still on the roster, and we need you, but we don't need you for nearly as much as we asked from you last year. Yeah, he's he should. I don't think he should be an everyday guy, but he's kind of a three times a week situational grind out good but, at bats, get on base but this guy. Is, but this is why th- these moves are why this is not typical twins. Yeah, yeah. This is um, to, to hear guys talking about revamping their swings. I think there was a pretty healthy skepticism when Jose Batista at age 29 or 30 went from a pretty mediocre offensive career with Pittsburgh to all of a sudden leading the major leagues in home runs and slugging percentage. Mm-hmm. And we all looked at that with a really strong dose of, of skepticism, but, but, but he has claimed for five or six years, I overhauled my swing more launch angle. You look at his breakout, you look at Edwin Encarnacion, you look at Justin Smoke, and now Logan Morrison. Sure, yeah. Clearly something is working with these and hitters just looking at towering fly balls. Thing was cheating. But, but again, like the numbers don't lie. The guy is hitting more towering fly balls than before. Like He's actively changed the angle that the ball comes off the bat. So, no, I don't know. Like I'm not accusing Logan Morrison of getting on the juice, but I think there's there's an explanation for it this time around. But the best part, is, as you said before, is this. If it works, it's fantastic. It's a complete bargain and a steal. And if it doesn't work, guess what? You didn't sign him to a five-year contract. Right. And at the very least, he can platoon. You know, At the very least, he'll hit. You know, Would it be so bad if he was the same guy the Rays had the first year where he played in 107 games, 390 plate appearances, like a half season, and hit 14 home runs? Like, that wouldn't be the end of the world. Uh, but if you get the same guy who hit almost 40 last year and he only makes $6 million, that's one of the steals of the offseason. That's 40 there, though, as well. So I, I think that that'll just come down because of home ballpark a little bit, but that's fine. I don't know. Target Field is more of a hitter's ballpark now. Than the Trop? I think if you look that's at it, Target Field has become kind of a bandbox in the last two or three years. It's because the concrete settled, Phil. did? And took, I know I'm right. Seven You're years. wrong. I'm right. Took seven years. Uh, Brian Windhorst will join us from ESPN, ESPN uh, NBA Insider. We can talk Jimmy Butler. What's he hearing behind the scenes? Are the Wolves going to miss the playoffs now? They're only a game up in the loss column on the nine seed, the Clippers in the Western Conference. So let's flush out this Jimmy Butler injury with Brian Windhorst when we come back. Uh, You know, we have in the studio here, the TCL Broadcast Studios, a 55-inch Roku TV 
That built-in Roku device, I love it. Like uh, I've had I've had the external Roku device for a number of years too. The built-in Roku device now with the TCL TV gives you access to four thousand plus streaming channels and four hundred fifty thousand plus movies, TV shows. Uh, at WWE Network was in full swing last night for the Elimination Chamber. If you're a wrestling geek like me, you get access built into your Roku, uh, built into your TCL TV, all kinds of sports platforms. There's a reason why it's America's fastest growing TV brand and one of the most popular and coveted TVs in the world right now, too. You can find TCL TVs at any major local retailer. I was at a couple uh, major local retailers over the weekend looking at some of the brand new P-Series TVs or TCLUSA.com. And also find out how you can win tickets to a March 26 Wolves game against the Grizzlies in a TCL theater box at Target Center. Go to 1500ESPN.com and enter the keyword TCL. Mackie and Judd now continue. This one's better than a kick in the jaw. On 1500 ESPN. Butler takes it away from a couple of rockets. Timeout on the floor. Nene landed on his leg, but seemed all right there. You wonder if it was there on the non-contact on the plant. Yeah, the, the Wolves are being a little mysterious about the exact nature of the meniscus injury. Uh, Brian Windhorst, we always love when he joins. He's full of information, uh, sound opinions from ESPN. He's an NBA insider. So this was kind of the worst fear that the Wolves, of course, are having the best season in a decade and a half. And the star player that has turned around the culture, Brian, winds up with maybe a season-ending injury, but we're not sure. So, uh, And they're only a game up in the loss column on the nine-seed Clippers, so there's no guarantees they're even going to be in the playoffs if he gets back. So it's kind of depressing around here. What are you hearing, and, and what, what, what was your feeling when you saw the news over the weekend? Well, first off, you have to be really pleased that it's not a much more serious injury. Obviously, yeah. The, the the way he reacted and the way he left the court, you feared for the worst. So that was really good. Um, you know, I am not an orthopedic surgeon, nor am I an expert on meniscus injuries. Typically, when you see a guy with a meniscus injury, he goes and sees a handful of doctors because there's a number of different ways to handle them. Mm-hmm. You can either have the meniscus totally removed, which almost never happens anymore, but there's a lot of guys playing in the NBA with no meniscus. Uh, Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul are two examples. Um, you can have the meniscus repaired, which is where it's sort of stitched back together, and that's a season-ending injury. Uh, Russell Westbrook um, had that happen um, and ended his season with uh, a season with the, with the Thunder. Now, obviously, he's re- rebounded great. Or you can have the injury shaved, and where you can have just a piece of it removed, but not all of it, which is not as good as a repair, but not as bad as a full removal. And it seems like what Jimmy did was take that middle path which was to have it, you know, partially removed or shaved to make it to sound better, um, which shortens the recovery time. But let me just say this: there's no such thing as minor knee surgery, and also anybody. And I think the Wolves are being responsible by not putting a uh, a timeline on it because if you say four to six weeks, and then you get to a month, people are like, "Let's go, Jimmy, let's go!" And especially knowing the type of guy he is, yeah. he wants to play. It's you know, it's it's. It's a thing. So, you know, there's a lot of short-term and long-term ramifications here. Um, there's there's a lot of complex conversations. It just depends on which, which you guys would rather talk about, the short or the long-term. In, in your mind, then, uh, with him certainly out uh, until the playoffs, if they make it, what are the odds that this team with 19 games left uh, can push through to make the postseason without Jimmy Butler, Brian? Well, the numbers 
show a vast difference when Jimmy's off the court. I mean, some of the stats, I won't detail them all because your eyes will glaze over, but it's put it this way. If I saw these numbers, I hadn't really studied them until Jimmy got hurt. I, I recently was projecting him like fifth on my MVP ballot. I might have knocked him up a couple of notches because especially defensively, the, the way the Wolves change as a team defensively when he comes off the court, uh, and even more specifically, when Towns and Wiggins play uh, with Jimmy as opposed to when Towns and Wiggins play without Jimmy, they go from a pretty good you know, manageable defensive team to one of the worst defensive teams in the league. And so just from a defensive standpoint, uh, then you obviously have his ability as a closer, uh, which is one right up there at the top in the league. One of the reasons why the Wolves are where they are is because of his ability to do that. So it's a devastating loss. And I was looking at their schedule. They have quite a few difficult games left. It's going to be an all-out fight. Um, this is a this is a more equipped team than it has been the last couple of years, even without Jimmy. There's more veterans. <clears throat> there's more firepower. They're going to need to gut out a few 50-50 wins. They're going to need to have a few games um, where Jamal Crawford has a hot shooting night. They're going to need to have a few games where Andrew Wiggins delivers in the clutch down the stretch because it's going to get tight. I really believe that. Yeah. Yeah, that's the. I mean, and and they did. Some of these guys did step up. Jeff Teague had one of his best games of the year over the weekend, and and they don't. I mean, they don't have to beat the the Rockets and the Warriors every night, but if they can beat the teams that are tanking and then, you know, win three or four of the other games and just get to like forty seven or forty eight and see where the chips fall. But I think the question is how good those three teams at the bottom, the the eight, nine, and ten seeds right now. Utah was on fire. How good do you think Utah, Denver, and the and the Clippers are post Blake? Well, Denver is terrific at home. I mean, they're rolling through people on their home court. And so like when you when you project them out, you have you know, you have to feel like their home court might be able to carry them. Utah, I mean, I'm a little they have flaws on their team. Uh, that's why they were where they were. I know that the injury to Gobert was an is, was an issue. Um I, I still from a talent standpoint like the Wolves talent better. Um, so, you know, but I, I'd really have to look at the schedules, but, uh, you know, I think they play the jazz on Friday. I would advise winning that game. And I was, you know, <laughs> they have a real, a really big back to back, uh, coming up here, um, with, 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 you know, on the road with, uh, Portland and Utah, that's going to be a huge challenge. And those games are going to be really important. And, um, you know, then they get a break and they have like almost a week off where they can do some practicing and stuff. So, this is that's going to be a really you know they got this road trip starting. Uh, Sacramento should be a win, but uh, we're we're going to know a lot more about this team by the end of next by the end of this Friday night um, about where they're headed in the short term. With Butler being hurt, do you look at him uh, going down, Brian, and say it's a fluke, or do do you go back to the thing that we've talked about before, which is? Tibbs asks so much of his star players, and there certainly is a long list of guys who have started to break down playing for Tom. Guys, you could talk to 10 different experts and get 10 different opinions on this. There are people who are dogmatic in believing that the way Tibbs plays people leads to injuries. There are other people who are dogmatic saying that, um, you know, being soft and giving people more time off leads to more injuries. They point to this year's shortened training camp to allow more rest during the season. Is look at all these injuries that are having. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The only thing I can say is I don't know. 
I don't know what the answer is. Um, I think the big issue for the Wolves and for Jimmy going forward is with this injury, um, he now, I think, is going to be put into a contract decision this summer. Yeah. We didn't really foresee this as this summer being a thing. We saw this as being a 2019 thing. Um, coming off this injury, the Wolves can offer him a contract extension this summer. And it's, it's, for, it's for significantly less money than he could sign for for 2019. But with this injury, it may not be the worst idea in the world. And so that's what I mean. There's short-term things like Tibbs is worrying about Sacramento, right? He's, he's, he's got to beat that game. But Jimmy Butler is going to end up having, a, I think, a, and the Wolves are going to have a pretty big decision contractually this summer. And part of what you have to judge when you're, when you're evaluating how to extend him, what kind of offer to make is what his health is going to be going forward. Because right now he's in his prime uh, and you're going to be signing him through the rest of that. So, um, you know, it's, it's something to be paid attention to with all those minutes for Tibbs over the course of his career. I did. Yeah. Brian Windhorst is, uh, is our guest here. Wonderful. NBA insider from ESPN. You can find him on uh, pretty much all of their various platforms, visual audio and website. And, 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 and we are just doing some digging on this, too, the Tom Thibodeau question, and you nailed it. You could literally talk to – there are experts, not just people with Twitter accounts, but experts who will live and die by catapult information, which is you know player tracking um, software that teams are using. And there's other teams that say, you know what? I mean, KG and Michael Jordan and all those the old school players, they were fine playing 38 minutes in their prime. Uh, is it fair to say with Tom Thibodeau that – He's probably evolved in the last couple of years compared to where he was at with this stuff with Chicago maybe five years ago. But that teams like Golden State and San Antonio probably reduce risk because they're so over the top about resting players and reducing minutes. Tim Duncan was playing 29 minutes a game for the last seven years of his career in San Antonio. So it's interesting that you mentioned Catapult because like three years ago, Catapult was the future of the NBA. Now some teams have thrown it out and decide that it doesn't work. So that's the problem with this new technology is that um, there, you know, we, we don't have sample sizes to – I know there's other teams still using it, by the way. Yeah. But, um, you know, like what seems like is the new revelation everybody jumps on today doesn't mean that's necessarily true. Um, you know, I, I think when you look at the Spurs, um, you know, they, they have they've done a nice job. They did a nice job of extending Tim Duncan's window also – in the 2013-14 season when they won their last title, they were really ahead of the game in terms of mid-season rest, um, and I thought it made a difference in the finals for sure. Um, but they, they don't let anything drive the bus. Uh, you know, They're using a, a number of, of measures. Um, uh, as far as Tibbs, I, I would say I don't think it's really Tibbs 2.0. I would say maybe Tibbs went through an app update. <laughs> it's more like, you know, 1.1. I, I do think he's a little bit different than he was in Chicago. But, again, if you look at the minutes played, he obviously doesn't completely believe it. And, again, I can't sit there and tell you I, he's wrong. Um, and, I, you know, and, and, and I, you know, there are people who I really respect and like and, and think are really, really smart who will tell you that Jimmy Butler got hurt because the way Tim is, Tim's is playing him. And other people will tell you he got hurt because Nene fell on his knee. Yeah, and I, I again, I can't say which of them is right and which of them is wrong. In your your mind now, with uh, Butler out, uh, Brian, who who is the single most important player who is going to to have to emerge, and what is your faith in that player that that he will be able to uh, take on what he's going to have to with Jimmy out? Well, 
I, I honestly think that you can probably look at every single player on their on the in their rotation and say, hey, you can do more. But I don't think it takes a rocket science to say that Wiggins has got to be, you know, they're paying him to be a star player. He needs to become that star player, uh, and we've seen flashes of it for sure. Um, boy, did the did the Wolves? I mean, they were in a really tough spot with that extension um, because. They had to give him the money. I totally get why they gave him, gave him the money. But they were totally doing it, expecting him to take a leap, yeah. which is what Glenn Taylor was trying to goad him into committing to, to work as hard as he possibly could to take that leap. And he he's better. He's getting better, but he hasn't zoomed forward. And I've seen this over the course of my 15 years covering the league with many, many, many players where a team is looking at this guy in his third or fourth year and going, let's invest in him because we think he can happen. And it's worked, and other times it has. You know, Jimmy Butler is a classic example of a player that it worked in. The Bulls made a major commitment to him, and he's turned into that type of player. So really what you need in this situation is for your stars to carry you. Yes, on an, on an, on an average Tuesday or an average Friday, you may have a guy who is a role player step up and deliver, but what you really need your stars to carry you here. Uh, and that's really where Wiggins comes in. Wiggins has the most potential to increase his level of play. Will he? I, I don't know. I don't know whether that's going to happen, but that's for sure. It's also a great opportunity for him. You know, he, he, his role has changed a little bit this year. He's had to take a little bit of a step back. Um, but, you know, this is an opportunity for him to, uh, to, to to really do something, and I'll be interested to see if he takes mm-hmm. advantage of it. Hey, last thing for you, just for fun here, just um, I think the debate in this town has been, all right, did, could they have given up Wiggins to Chicago and kept Levine? What was the right decision? If From the people you talked to, if you if you just did like an informal survey or even just your opinion, if you had to hitch your wagon to Zach Levine or Andrew Wiggins for the next eight to ten years, which one would you feel more comfortable with? Or what, well, what, what, what like, would teams say? Me, personally, I like Zach Levine. Um, because, number one, he, he has, he's shown incredible improvement from the beginning of his career. Like, I was seeing major growth, uh, growth mindset from him. Um, also, I felt like his shooting was really, really improving. Where, you know, I'm not really going to judge what he does this year because I don't really judge the first year off an ACL. I'll be more interested a year, a year. But I mean, I think the interesting thing would be if we have a con- if we have this exact same conversation one year from today, when Levine is fully healthy and gets his full training camp, and the Bulls reformat their team around him and build their system around him and whatever, what is the answer going to be? I don't know. But I know that I loved Zach Levine. I loved Zach Levine as a player. I loved his his growth mindset. I loved his um, his uh, you know just how hard he worked and improved his shooting. The way he got better year over year. I really really like him as a player. Uh, unfortunately, he had that knee injury, which you know it's not apples to apples because of the knee injury. Um, uh, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. The, the other question would have been, you know, had the had the had the lay of the land changed a little bit and before Jeff Teague signing. You know, Kyrie Irving showed interest in wanting to play for Minnesota. Had the, had things been different and Teague not been signed, would they have been willing to trade Wiggins for um, for uh, for Kyrie? And would that have? You know, that's another what if thing that uh, we'll never know in the future. Maybe you could have used the money to sign uh, JJ Redick instead, and then you trade for Kyrie, and now it's Kyrie Redick and Carl Anthony Towns and Butler. Yeah. That said, the, the Wolves. Were, were playing great. I mean, the moves that they made were working. They were they were they were having the kind of acceleration season 
that we thought. I mean, we can say, I can second guess everybody's move. Everybody, people can second guess me all day long. What the Wolves ended up doing was working, uh, but but they were really really heavily relying on it on the guy who they really couldn't afford to lose. And now they've lost him. Yeah, Brian Windhorst, great stuff, man. We'll Thanks, uh, see what happens, and we'll catch up down the road here. Okay, take care, guys. Yep, that, that's God. He's good every time he comes on. How about that? He, well, Tyree he gave Irving you the there. answer you wanted. Zach Levine. That bull, that's, the Bulls. That's my answer, the too, bull, by the way. The Bulls are going to be very happy with that trade. You know, Markkanen, Levine, and Dunn are going yeah. to be very good. Now, defense is definitely optional with Zach Levine right now, and sure. he's still coming off the knee injury. And, and these numbers are a little apples to, to oranges because he's shooting a lot more than Andrew Wiggins is per 36 minutes. Per 36 minutes, Zach Levine, 24 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists, a couple of steals, and 38% from downtown. Yeah, didn't need that. Dave, what's coming up in stuff you should know about? We've got Bill Walton's reaction to the FBI case against college basketball, major injury, controversy in the NBA, and an interesting way to greet your new boss. From the TCL Broadcast Studio. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You could say that 10,000 times and it still wouldn't be enough. It fires me up, man. I love it. Say it one more time. Mackey and Judd. <laughs> Does that feel good? Yeah. They're both verbs. Awesome. On 1500 ESPN. And stuff you should know about is sponsored by your neighborhood Ace. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Your neighborhood Ace has a wide selection of products from the best brands, plus the expertise you need to take on any project with confidence. Only at Ace, the helpful place. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please rise. Men, remove your caps as we honor America and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. Harrigan, play the stuff that we should know about. Let's just start this with giving Phil Mackey the opportunity to talk about controlling the ball. I feel very positive about it. You know, I feel like I really hit the ball well, and I, I, I missed the golf ball in the correct spots. I have control of my ball, and you know that's something I'm, I'm very proud of. Go ahead. Twelve. Well, I'm not sure if much needs to be said. Tiger Woods was in contention all weekend. Tough conditions. Only a couple handfuls of players uh, under par for the tournament, and he finished his best finish, I believe, since a top 10 at uh, Wyndham in 2015. So his best finish in nearly three years. Mm -hmm. And he was going into the end portions of his round. He was like four strokes off the lead. And then the bear trap, the (laughs) three-hole stretch Jack Nicholas designed, where there was was a point on Friday or Saturday where like half of, if not two-thirds of the field was going in the water on at least one of those holes. And so the way that he put it, he was instead of just like maybe laying up or not laying up. That's the wrong word because 15 is a par three. But if if he could back off the you know the throttle and maybe put a ball in a safe spot, that'd be great. But pars aren't going to get it done. So he he was aggressive. He was pin seeking. He was the old tiger. And I'm excited to watch him win the Masters here in about six weeks, gentlemen. Six weeks, five weeks, somewhere in there. He's going to win the Masters. I think he's uh, climbing up the odds report. Climbing up the odds report. You can remain skeptical all you want, but Tiger Woods. All I got to tell you right now. TV ratings come out yet? Because Tiger Woods probably drew millions more eyeballs to that that tournament. He definitely does. I'm just saying, slow, slow your roll. Maybe a great. smaller tournament before the Masters that he'll win. Let's talk about the NBA. Well, not really injury, but the uh, the issue. The Ooh, there's a lot of consternation, boys. Did you see the Zaza take the dive on Russ? Yes, I did. Yes. 
Kevin Durant has thoughts. I don't think Zaza is trying to hurt anybody. He is clumsy. Uh, don't get me wrong. That's a lot of big guys are. But I watched the tape. His, uh, I seen Nick's, Nick's foot get caught up uh, in Zaza's leg and might have tripped him up a bit. I don't think he's trying to hurt us. He's just a big clumsy doofus. The guy he Clearly. landed on, Russell Westbrook, disagrees. What do you mean, what happened? What do you think what happened? Sure. I don't know. I couldn't see. Don't that. lie. Don't lie. You couldn't see. You saw the answer replay four times. What, what happened? Thank you. Don't ask me a dumb question. You know the answer to. You think it was intentional? Did you see it? What it look like? What it look? Anybody touch him? Yes or no? I didn't see the replay. Yet. Oh, you didn't see it? But why are you asking about something you didn't see? I just saw well, it. Then, well, then if you didn't see it, don't ask me a question. Don't ask me a dumb question. Obviously, it was intentional. <laughs> Asked me, was it intentional? Nobody touched me, fell over my leg, tried to hurt me, you know. But hey, that's how I go. What I find so amazing about the Russell Westbrook uh, cut there is how many active NBA reporters didn't see the replay. Okay, we so we didn't see it. Here's the thing: if you're if you're both sides are at fault here. If you're one of those guys asking questions, of course you saw the replay. Like it's one of the biggest plays of the weekend. <laughs> so don't lie to Russell Westbrook. But if you're Russell Westbrook. Do you have to do a multiple drive-by? Like, do you have to throw all the reporters under the bus? Just say that you thought it was dirty. Say that you thought Pachulia is a cheap shot artist. Which he did. Don't drive by the reporters and drag them under the bus. Oh, no. Throw them all under the bus. If you're a reporter, you don't care because he eventually got to the exact place that, that you were hoping that he would, which was, I think he's a dirty player and it was cheap. I love Durant's quote. He's just a big clumsy yeah, guy. Just clumsy. He's just a big clumsy guy who keeps, feet falling, everywhere. who keeps falling on people in a certain way. All right, let's move to college <laughs> basketball. Do you want the positive story or the negative story first? Oh, negative. All right, let's go negative. Uh, we all know about the FBI. We know about all the accusations being thrown out, the wiretaps and everything. Stan Van Gundy, who used to coach Wisconsin, is quoted... Uh, recently is saying the NCAA is one of the worst organizations, maybe the worst organization in sports. They certainly don't care about the athletes. They're going to act now like they're just appalled by all these things going on in college basketball. Please, it's ridiculous. Also saying that any college president that says they care about their student athletes being a student, they're liars. It's all a bunch of crap. Bill Walton was on the call for the Arizona-Oregon game over the weekend. Arizona coach Sean Miller, as we know. Yeah. Yeah, the whole wiretap caught talking about a hundred grand to a recruit. Uh, this was Bill opening the game. If true, this is so woefully wrong and staggeringly sad. This goes against everything that I believe in and try to live for, morally, ethically, and legally. Now, I was there in Detroit almost 14 years ago at the NBA, the Malice in the Palace. It was the lowest point of my life. This, right now, is right there at the bottom. This is a complete failure of the human spirit and soul. Basketball is a celebration of life for me. I wish I were out riding my bike up a mountain instead of being here part of this. Wow. Wait, did he just say the Malice in the Palace was the lowest moment of his life? Yes, he did. 
Well, well, how many low moments have, I mean, there's, I'm sure his parents have passed away. He's pretty old, right? Yeah, I'm sure they have. And I'm sure there had to be other things that were slightly more upsetting than the Malice in the Palace or this, which is the most unsurprising thing of all time. The Malice in the Palace was one of the best moments of my life. I was drunk in college watching the game on TV and we're like, oh, you're watching oh, live? what's happening right now? This is amazing. Does <laughs> that run our test? Just run test haymakers with, with Bob from... Oh, Bill. Some chubby yeah. guy from Detroit. <laughs> oh, Bill Walton, oh, God, he's a gem. I'd rather be biking you, up a mountain. Do you think he says that because he can't like like recall stuff outside of basketball? Is Bill just his the rest of his brain besides the basketball part is so fried that he just can't recall anything? Like Phil said, the death of his parents. I don't really remember that one. A lot of go- has gone into that brain over the years. Oh Jim. yeah, there's been a lot. Now let's see. Tug at the heartstring story. Do you remember the name Chris Street? Oh, I was in I- is, yeah. I was in Iowa shortly after that happened. 1993. Yes. He was a junior basketball yep. player with the Hawkeyes. Died in a car accident. At the time, he had a streak of 34 consecutive free throws made. It was a Hawkeye record. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to the weekend. Iowa Northwestern. It's an eight-point game with a little over two minutes remaining. Jordan Bohannon steps to the free throw line for the Hawkeyes. He is working on a streak of 34 consecutive free throws made. And he does miss it. So he does not break the Chris Street record. I think I got chills. There's something special about that. He missed that one pretty badly. Did you miss the free throw on purpose, and how special is it to share that record? Yeah, obviously that's not my record to have, and um, obviously that record deserves to stay in his name. I've heard a lot. I've been really close with this family these past couple years and um, getting to know them a lot and uh, just listen to his story, honestly. And uh, it's, it's really got me emotional uh, these past, past, past couple games because I know what I wanted to do. Obviously, it was a different different time that I wanted to do it, but um, that's, I, that's what it's something I wanted to do. And um, like I said, it's been, it's been an honor to get to know his family. All right. If you, Judd Zolgad, were a great free throw shooter and you were standing at that same free throw line, would you have missed the free throw on purpose? Um, I don't think so. I think I probably. I don't would know have made if it. I would have thought of that unless someone probably, suggested it to me. Yeah, I think I probably would have tried to make make it. But I saw that on Twitter last night with, with that quote, and I looked at it and I got a little choked up. Misty, Very nice. a little misty, a little misty. I mean, that's really cool. That's a really cool thing. But uh, yeah, I don't think I would have missed it. I missed it, but not on purpose. You guys remember when you got hired here? Mm-hmm. The moment you got hired, probably stood up, nice firm handshake for the boss, and you know thanked him for the opportunity and go get him. We're gonna we're gonna do this thing together. It was a sandwich shop in Eden Prairie for me, but yeah, good sandwich. Um, I think it was a wrap. Did they pay for it? No, I paid for it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not how it went <laughs> last night, uh, and I know you were watching, Phil. Oh my God! That's all you need to hear. Rhonda throwing her new boss, Triple H, through a table at the contract signing yeah, so, ceremony? So, Joe, what happened was... <laughs> Whoa! So, so things got a little little dicey there. Uh, you had Kurt Angle, the GM of Monday Night Raw, a two-time Olympic yes. medalist as well. And now he's just a bear poker. He is. So, so Stephanie McMahon and Triple H, who are together running the WWE right now, they signed Ronda Rousey to a full-time contract. I think we did that story, and yeah. Kurt Angle outed them on the microphone wow. during the contract signing last night and said, yeah, oh yeah, by the way, uh, hey, Ronda, these two think you're a has-been. They told me that in the back room. They think you're washed up. And she turned 
and delivered Triple H right through a table. Drama set up for WrestleMania. So if you want to come over, we can split the cost. When is it? I think it's the first weekend in April. Usually. Oh, I got something going on that oh, night. And Stephanie oh, really? slapped the hell out of her, too, after she threw uh, Triple H, her husband, through the table. Really? Slapped the taste and, oh, out of her mouth. And this was just a press conference. Not even a press conference. Just yeah. the contract signing in front of an arena full of people. <gasps> Unbelievable. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, Derek Wetmore from Fort Myers to talk about the Twins' new 38 home run slugger, Logan Morrison, around 11-15. Uh, we've got John Benton, who we had on Friday to talk about the upcoming gold medal curling match that the U.S. cashed in on. Told you to write that down. For its first uh, gold medal in curling. And Tom Chorsky will join later on, too. We're packed until 1 o'clock in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They seem to have really unusual names. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. The brand new 1500 ESPN app is here. Stream live shows, download podcasts, read the latest sportswear articles, and more. You can do it all in one place. And if you need more reasons to download it, we've got those too. We're spending the month giving away a $50 Red Cow Red Rabbit gift card every day and a 55-inch TCL Roku TV every week. You have to have the app to enter. Download the new 1500 ESPN app in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store now. 20 seconds left. Spurgeon around one man, then knocked away by Burns. Spurgeon wins it back. Zucker's out front. Back to Spurgeon. He scores! And the Wall win it in overtime! Four wins in a row could not have come at at worst time for the Wild. You're probably asking yourself, Judd, how can a winning streak ever be bad? I will tell you. Here's the problem. Hope. You have given hope to the players. The coaches, the front office, the owner, and, worst of all, the fans. Don't buy in because this group will only break your heart. That is, if you buy into the hope. Don't buy in, and the first round playoff exit will only be a small bump in the road. Why is the bot stealing my role here? Shudbot three thousand. This is very Negative. this is very dangerous for, for my employment status at this station. I think the I think the Judbot three thousand is doing your role better than you are. But that's my point. I don't really like that. Well then you should step your game up. I could be let's just say that I could be replaced by the bot and I'm willing to bet the bot, you know, might not be as demanding as I am. Yeah, let's just say talk show hosts aren't the only jobs that are you thought you were safe from being replaced by robots, but uh talk show hosts are <laughs> I don't know, the, the bot, Judbot 3000 has some momentum going I mean, if the Bot 3000 starts to kick in now on, on Vikings and Twins, I fear for my future employment here at 1500 ESPN. Well, you should regardless. Reckless speculation! Uh, I love what's happening on NHL Network right now. Judd has found a NHL Network. Now, they're in a commercial right now, but when they're live in studio, not only are they going out to rainy conditions like it's the Weather Channel, let's go outside uh, Madison Square Garden and get some... Ranger steam from Bob out in rainy conditions on the street. Like, it's pouring rain, and this poor guy is out there just, like, wiping rain off his forehead. And then they have a panel on the left side of the screen just devoted to players who are on the trade block. Mm -hmm. So it'll just, like, flash names on the left-hand side of the screen. The cap hit... The rest of the contract, the statistics. Now this Can you is actually like waking up if you're a player and just seeing yourself scroll across the screen. This is this is my favorite day. In fact, I'm going to race home from here, turn on on the TV and watch this. Now, now this is actually picked up by their by the league's network. But what it is is it's Sportsnet from Canada, and so they sit there all day long and just speculate, and it's just <laughs> glorious. It's absolutely glorious. 
Reckless speculation. <laughs> Eric Carlson, is he going to be traded or not? It's huge. In fact, his car, it, it's so big in Canada, the TSN just reported Eric Carlson's Porsche pulled up in front of the Senator's practice facility, and he's going inside. And I'm not kidding you. So he's just doing what he he's would normally do. He's just going do. to do. He's just going about his normal day so far. But okay. they're they're reporting that his car is at the team's practice facility, and so we at least know he's there. If the Wild were to be buyers today in some form, is there a name or two that you have seen in your perusing of the interwebs, or uh, is there is there like someone who makes sense that they could add like they do every year? You know, like a second or third line guy. Uh, Who's no, the next Matt Molson that they could add? Uh, I have not seen a name, and and their issue is this: they're so strapped against the salary cap. Now they waived Chris Stewart yesterday, and so they freed up some space, not much. Uh, but I have not seen a name. The only the only thing I've seen involving the Wild is that there might be a temptation to send Matt Cullen as almost a favor back to Pittsburgh because P- Pittsburgh would like to get him back for their playoff run. Um, but there's been nothing. And what they would have to do, if they made a trade today, they would almost have to give up a, a current player off their roster like a coil. But I have, it's been so dead that I have not seen names even linked to them. Yeah. Six five one six four six eight two five five. We will talk to uh, Tom Chorsky in about an hour and a half from now. Uh, Wetmore from Fort Myers. Tim, you're on the show. I just wanted to call and be a quick devil's advocate, and I certainly don't mean to demean the memory of Chris Street or think that it wasn't a nice gesture of what the Iowa player did. But I feel like with two minutes left and it's an eight-point game, nobody's thought about the fact that what if that missed free throw would have maybe cost them the game and had kind of implications on the tournament. And again, not demeaning Chris Street in his memory or anything, but I just was wondering, I feel like it would be more acceptable, in my opinion, if it would have been, hey, we're up by 20 with 10 seconds left. Just wanted to get your thoughts so on it. I would, so that's a really interesting question, Tim. I, I mean, Iowa's not going to the tournament, but who are they playing in that game? They played somebody who maybe had tournament hopes. Mm-hmm. I, but, I don't but, even know. But let's say, you know, let's say Iowa had tournament hopes, and it was a closer game. Yeah. It was a tie game. Yeah. What do you do? I wouldn't have missed it. So miss it? I, it comes off as a complete class act. If you would, if you would ask me, I would have probably been like, "I'm not going to miss it on purpose." I, somebody, I mean, that would be me though. I think somebody would have had to have told me, "Hey, but, you should." But if they had told you, you but I think this, this kid, was, I'm like looking to make the free this, throw. But this kid definitely knew. So, so he was told. Yeah. Because, but was he, he told, was born after Christmas? Was Street it died. suggested to him to miss it, or did he just take it upon himself, knowing the family? Okay, but if you I had don't known, want this record, but if you had known and and you had known the family, could you have brought yourself to say, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to purposely miss this free throw." I probably I mean, wouldn't. Have. If I got indications that the family didn't want the record to be broken, if I could pick that up, it may it may have occurred to me. But don't you think the family would have just, if they like the kid anyways, um, who you know, who had a chance to break the the record? Don't you think they would have embraced that too? I would have made I the know. I would have made the free throw, set the record, gotten the ball, and given it to the family. Yeah, that's I would it's just so said, easy hey, to say what you would have done. I, I a, broke the re- I broke the yeah. record, but here's the ball. God yeah. bless you. Boy, that would have been some kind of a debate on pardon my tail, whatever. Pardon the inter- <laughs> pardon the fact every I'm here. show on ESPN. Pardon, pardon the fact I showed up for work today. God, could you imagine Skip Bayless on that Fox show in the morning if if that had been a close game with? Tournament ramifications. That would have been hot takes all over the place. With, with Shannon Sharp? <laughs> no, Skip, come on now. No, Skip, you can't make that. You can't tell me to make that. Free, I ain't going to miss that free throw. Not with the NCAA tournament. A, a, a birth on the line. Coach's job's on the line, Skip. Come on now, Skip. <laughs> come on. Oh. <laughs> all right. 